Hey, this is Mad Carl. Hey, this is Normal Annie. Well, and, sorry, I call myself Annie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is producer Chris. And hey, Annie. That's uh, Andy, actually. I'm sorry to break it to you, Carl. And welcome to the Art Shed. That was my beer cracking. Ah, All right. Nice. And it was starting to overflow, so I had to kind of take a chug out of it. Anyway, this episode is uh, the the uh, episode on consciousness part two. And um, we call, we're calling it Welcome to the Pit. No, it's not Welcome to the Pit. It's something I forget what I'm calling it, but whatever. It's pretty sweet. And it stands on its own, but it's a part two uh for for uh for the first part you can go to um part one i guess <laughs> <laughs> all right it's the, episode, pre- it's the episode right before this one if you want to listen to it <laughs> yes <Yeah. laughs> right so uh to check that out or just listen to this one you're already on it and listening so yeah, you listen yeah. To it. and so this is a good continue just so that we mentioned in this episode this is our Part two of our interview with uh, uh, Matthias von, uh, what was his last name? Von Schmedrick. Schmedrick. <laughs> All right, so, we're very professional. Yes, this was the most professional <laughs> intro we've ever done. All right. And we're back and we're drinking. Yeah, and I just had two uh, little updates to things we talked about. So, I mentioned before the Battle of Wolf 495. It's actually Battle of Wolf 359. And that was <laughs> roughly eight light years from Earth in the wolf system in the year 2367. So <laughs> just to get that straight uh, before everyone writes in. And uh, and then also the uh, William Shatner movie that was in Esperanto was called Incubus. came out in 1966. Ooh. And it was a horror movie, and I, I've actually never seen it. Uh, I, I can't say it's good or bad. Incubus. But it's, yeah, it's probably really interesting to watch, though. What is, is the it... Incubus? Is that like a demon of some kind? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's related to the succubus, right? Right. Oh, it's a male version of the succubus. Uh, <laughs> mm. Mm. I, I don't know. You need to check the monster manual for that. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I know. It might be in the Pink Folio, though. <laughs> no, no. I think they, I think these ones made it. I think the devil ones all made it into the. Oh, oh yeah, totally. Right, but is this the monster? Oh wait, I'm thinking of the fiend folio again. Uh, <laughs> fiend folio have like the the Cthulhu mythos. Yes. Oh, uh, okay. No, no, originally... you're thinking. No, that's deities and demigods. Oh, okay, that's right. That's what. I'm yeah, thinking. yeah. The fiend and folio had a Gethanki on it. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Right. 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 But they getting back that, they kicked the oh, art level up a lot in the Fiend Folio oh, totally. compared Definitely. to Monster Manual, which Monster Manual has some classic illustrations. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh God, yeah. Those drawings are all seared into my brain. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, we were talking about not to get us off the subject of the Monster Manual. Oh, yes, no. But... Uh, <laughs> To get us back onto Esperanto. Wait, oh, thing, right. One thing, right. Andy. Okay. Okay. Mount. How much like does like massive amounts of Mountain Dew and Jolt sear your memory? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I definitely had a Jolt period, but I don't know. <laughs> right? Doesn't that like just like when you're on when you're on Jolt? Doesn't that just like imprint every like thing in the monster manual into your brain well, I, don't, I mean no, I, it's a good I, question. I was looking at that stuff before i was drinking jolt so. oh okay yeah yeah <laughs> and i i didn't drink yeah. much jolt either so you know my my theory is that it was the last thing that i was really into and studying hard before i started doing drugs and drinking <laughs> right <laughs> before i fried my brain so it's the last like right. sober knowledge that i gained in my life before <laughs> so, yeah. so it's it's before the cliff it's like you remember right. everything before right. you go right. off the ledge yeah, 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 yeah. Before, <laughs> it's like that part of your brain is still like like very it's pure it's pure it's, it's, it's pure really, and the rest of your brain is all like spongy and yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> right 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 right, right. <laughs> 
Chris remembers every character he has ever had and right. in their hit points and shit like that. And, Elfador. And, but he doesn't remember what the fuck he did yesterday. <laughs> I, I, we I know that's not true me. because Chris Chris was not grilling like regularly at the yeah. time that he was studying the monster manual. That's manual, true. Right, that's yeah. true. So, and he definitely remembers all of that extremely right. well. But but maybe yeah. he was preparing for grilling because uh they, I mean, we, this is a story we should probably get into deeper on another episode. But there was definitely like a, a big uh, pit in the empty lot oh. that we should talk about at some point. I don't know if we should get into this now. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. We should, we should, because actually, I, I kind of relate the pit to this podcast, and and I, I, <laughs> I mean, maybe we should go into it now. I mean, so, tell, tell, tell me about the pit. I have not heard about the pit. So oh, okay, okay. So, 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 um. So we we built a fort. We built a fort, and then we decided to build a bunch of traps around it. I'm shortening this a little bit. Yeah. And uh, we had nails in a board, and we buried the nails, uh, like so they're sticking out. And we had like a we had a tree that swung. You tripped the rope, and the tree would hit somebody. And then we're like, we need a pit. Uh, well, they wanted to build like a tiger pit, like a tiger we wanted, uh, we Oh, okay, like a tiger pit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. We need a pit, but so we started digging. We started digging, and every day we dig, we dug, and we came home from school and we dug ferociously. That's why it's like this podcast. It's, it was like a completely meaningless thing that we just did every week. Every day, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, then, the type of thing, it's the type of thing where it's kind of like your parents get home and they're like, why didn't you mow the lawn? And you're just like, well, I don't know. I had other stuff to do. You know, so it's like we're frantically digging this gigantic pit, but like we couldn't do anything else around the house or anything we are slightly we are, useful. Nothing we are useful. We were obsessed with the pit, but where it went went bad was we hit a, we hit a rock, okay? We're like, we'll just dig around the rock. So we dug around the rock, and the rock just kept getting bigger and bigger. This rock must have been deposited by a glacier because we, <laughs> it we was. kept it digging was. and digging and digging, and we, and we never got around the rock. And um, and the pit got deeper and deeper and deeper. It was it was basically like like every. Thing I've ever done, you know, like, like it, it just like, like it, I just got obsessed with it. We just kept doing it and doing it for no fucking reason, and the rock just kept getting bigger and bigger. There was no like way out, and uh, uh, and then we just we decided just to smash Molotov cocktails off of the rock at some point. The pit became right. like a fire pit, a fire pit, and there they had like a ramp that went down into it. And I remember them convincing <laughs> me that. To bring toys out, let, had wheels on them, and they would pour gasoline on the toys and roll them down. Light them on yeah. fire and roll them down into the pit. We had, we had to repurpose the pit because yeah. The, the, yeah. the pit could no longer be the tiger pit because of the rock. Right. But that mm. might have been the start of live fire grilling for you, Chris. But it may have. It may have. There were a lot of fires. We've got a lot of good <laughs> fire stories. <laughs> there was some, in some movie, there was a character. Oh, God, I wish I could remember what it was. But there's a character who said, you know, he's like, you know, like most boys, I spent the ages uh, from, you know, like seven until 10 uh, building very intricate, detailed models. And then I spent a month when I was 10 blowing them all up with firecrackers <laughs> and lighting them on fire. And it's like, yeah. And that's basically yeah. us, right? Yeah. Yeah. We might have spent two months, though. And, 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 and then... <laughs> And then, then there then we was started a... blowing up Carrie's Barbie stuff, like her Barbie trailer. And um, Carrie still remembers it. My sister, yeah. she remembers that I took her Barbie camper and filled it with gasoline and lit it yeah. on fire and pushed it down the hill. And right. um, she, and I was like, I brought her over and she's younger than me. I was like, watch this, watch this. This is going to be really cool. And she's like, okay, okay. And then I lit it on fire. She's like, no. And I'm like, that's <laughs> really cool. And she's like, no. I was like, oh. I have very similar memories of Carl being like, oh, grab some, some good toys and wheels and come come over here. And like, I, I was eight years younger than these guys. So it was rare I was invited over to the, uh, okay, okay. the fort in the woods in the empty lot with the pit. So like it was a big deal, and then yeah, I saw that you guys were blowing stuff up and burning it, and and I was like horrified, but also intrigued at the same time. Yeah. So, uh, so <laughs> 1975, the year of uh, of this bicentennial, yeah. was 
when they decided to di like put new sewers into the into the road. So there was all these massive concrete cylindrical things that they were going to bury in the ground. Yeah. They were massive. So Give we could case just on. Yeah. Quezon, we were just chuck fucking fireworks in there, and, <laughs> uh, like blower M80s, and they well, were like older kids who would sell us M80s. And well, and we used to do it too that we would have bike races, and whoever came in last in the bike race had to climb into the thing, and then we just throw firecrackers in there at the person who'd lost the race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so <laughs> this is this is really bad. I one time I I had I was like sitting there. And, uh, like, Billy lit a firecracker. He chucked it at, at me, right? And it, like, landed, like, almost in my pants. And I fucking, before it blew up, I grabbed it and chucked it. And I saw it exploding in the air. And I was like, holy crap. My life, basically my life flashed before my fucking eyes. My future life. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. like uh, so if I, I mean, that's like. So, and and what, when it flashed before your eyes, was it just digging a hole? Was that basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. The hole won't be finished. No. Yeah. no. I remember it bursting and like blowing up as it left yeah. my fingers. Like, holy shit. But yeah, you know, the thing is that it's like, it wasn't just like the older kids who sold the San there was a neighbor who used to come back from Florida with loads of fireworks to sell mm. to us, like a guy who was like in his fifties. Yeah. And oh, then, yeah. then there was that lemonade truck. Like it wasn't an ice cream truck. It was oh, yeah. this lemonade, <laughs> Mr. lemonade, Mr. Lemonade. Yeah. And he was yeah. like selling marijuana and fireworks and what? Stuff. like, Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. I, didn't, I had no idea. And so, like, you're a kid, and you go up there when you're younger, and you're kind of like, I'll have a lemonade, and this and that. And yeah. then you get a little bit older, and you're like, oh, I'll have some fireworks. Mm -hmm. You get a little bit older, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll take, like, an eighth. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get a little bit older. I'll have a QP. And then, and then you get your own. Now, then you get your own lemonade no, truck. No, no, I'm no. Then you get a little bit older, and the Mr. Lemonade guy shows up at your friend's house, and your friend goes and pulls out a big plastic tub and sells him a QP. <laughs> <laughs> that was right, my right. experience. Oh, my God. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. That's when you know you're a man. Yeah. <laughs> I sold the lemonade guy a QP. I sold the lemonade guy a QP. Yep. I, See, I've arrived. I I feel like this entire story could be set in a, a different set, a different type of podcast setting where there'd be very serious, moody music. Right. And it would be all oh, about like, it would grow up tough here. You know? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Start yeah. that over again. Wait, start that over again. <laughs> we grew up tough. Chris, tell the story. Then the lemonade man, he was. He, he sold, I Mr. sold him a QP. Mr. Lemonade. Mr. Lemonade, we call him Lemo. Disguised himself as a purveyor of, of candy goods for children, but really he was selling uppers and downers to the teenagers. And I was fried. His beaten old truck plied the neighborhood, belching toxic smoke. And his decayed teeth stank. And he knew Elvish fluently. He would often tell us about his time in the Grey Havens <laughs> while selling us five cent pretzel sticks. Oh, right. Yeah. And, and then he poured a slushy on Andy's hair. Yes. That bastard! That bastard! It's 1984, and Ronald Reagan has just won re election. <laughs> no! <laughs> I'm trying to think of like there'd be some other voiceover that would be like it's morning in, it's 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 morning, it's morning in, America. in America. Yeah, there we go, there we go. That's perfect. It's morning in America, but there are firecrackers being thrown at my face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I just barely checked the firecracker before my Crutch blew up. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Thank God. That was a very famous commercial in the Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I checked it. I checked. We made a Molotov cocktail. And then we blew it up in the fire pit. 
Now you're starting to sound like Tesla. And it, wait, <laughs> wait, but then I came. But, what else? Wow. You know what? You know what it is? A very tragic thing is. I, me and Chris. The Star came, Force keeps trying to hit us with a Molotov bomb. Deslock, 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 deslock. <laughs> Sorry, everyone who has no idea what we're talking about. The, the thing oh, is, it, I think we brought this up in the first episode, we didn't did. we? We did, but they probably still don't know what we're talking no, about. They, Andy, think of who's listening to this podcast. All right, it's all my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so three of them know what I'm talking about. <laughs> people who matter know what the Star Empire is about. I mean, yeah, yeah, we're not going to... Oh, so wait, wait, the Star Empire or the Comet Empire? Comet Empire. Comet Empire, I'm sorry, yeah. yes. I mean, Deslock was a Gamelon, though. Mm hmm. Yes. Right, right. So I have an end to the story of the fire pit. Okay. Oh. It came years later, because this can take the dramatic piano. Years later, me and Chris came back to the fire pit, and it was filled in, and there was thousands of little chipmunk holes in there, and there was thousands of chipmunks living like in a like up like a multi-layer level chipmunk haven and the rock was was buried wow yeah that's it yeah wow oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So, so esperanto <laughs> yes yeah. so <laughs> here so I heard I heard an amazing story related. To, so we, I was just talking smack about Esperanto and how, you know, kids were changing it when they learned it, and it's just this made up language. But I, I heard the story that was about how Esperanto could really bridge cultures. There's this linguist I know who is, is quite a bit older than I am. He was a graduate student. He was going to visit Hungary in the late fifties. So this is like peak Cold War. Um, it's very odd for a Westerner to be visiting. And he's a graduate student. So he takes the cheapest train. You know, he arrives after midnight. And he shows up and he's not exactly sure where he's supposed to go. So he's kind of at the train station wandering around. And a person comes up to him and says, are you here for the World Esperanto Conference? <laughs> no way. Yeah. And he goes, and he responds in Esperanto. No, I am not, but I am a fluent Esperanto speaker. <laughs> and, it, and it turns out that they did not have a U.S. representative. And so... <laughs> And he he didn't have a place to stay for the night. And they're like, well, we'll give you free lodging if you will be the U.S. representative at the Esperanto conference. And so he's like, yeah, sure. And Talk about, I mean, wow. kismet. Uh, I mean, yes. like this almost thinks this this thinks this almost makes me think we are living in a simulation. That was one of my <laughs> things. Like, I mean, that's almost too freaking weird to even like happen like uh, really like really <laughs> but what's the thing um oh god it's the whole brain concept that actually oh some physicist came up with this um about the, the simulation the simulation no thing? that that it is statistically more likely that every single one of us is a brain floating floating in space oh right right that's um, um imagining everything in our lives that that is more likely than i'll tell you who's really all living now. together on a planet yeah whoa whoa that, yeah no 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 that's that's the same guy who invented the uh the uh, that's the same guy who came up with the uh, the the, uh, the 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 other theory I was talking about that simulation theory. Uh, Neil, ah. well, is it Bostrom? Bostrom. Boltzmann. This is what it is. Boltzmann uh, brain. Yeah, but it, it's 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 Bostrom. No. Oh no! This is an Austrian. Boltzmann. Okay, that's a different guy. Okay, Boltzmann. So I'm talking about Bostrom. Bostrom made up the simulation theory. Or ah, up, okay. I was just okay. listening. To, I just was listening to Bostrom, and 
he's like convinced that we're in a simulation. You you've you guys heard of it about the simulation theory? So basically it it goes uh it goes if if uh so if if a civilization lives to a certain part, a uh, certain like technology level, they're going to start sim- uh, simulating uh, the their history, right? And they can simulate, you know, the history with supercomputers the size of planets, right? So they're they, it's they're going to be able to simulate like Earth and like say say we were, uh, we're uh, you know like we're part of their history because they're like thousands of years in the future. So they simulate Earth. Uh, and and, and uh, the theory is that you would run way more simulations than you would, uh, th- than there would be realities, right? So, so if you're, so in these simulations, you'd be a conscious entity, right? So, so when you do the actual physics, physic math you're it's more likely that you're in a simulation than you're in reality <laughs> like when the physicists like do all the math because like hey i can run i can like take a computer program now and i can distribute it distribute it around the world right like a million times right so so if i'm running simulations and i'm a like a like a society and who knows why they're running the simulations? They just run a, a million simulations. So, so there, there's one guy, uh, Bostrom, thinks we are in a simulation. He's fairly convinced. He's a physicist, but whatever. I mean, it could happen. And and I think your story, Matisse, totally proves that we're in a simulation. Well, yeah. I, <laughs> I guess part of it is when should we be surprised by events? Right. You know, wh- when is something really truly weird and odd? Well, versus, I think yeah. it's funny because when you you're in like a really fluid state, like you're moving around and just kind of like when you're on like something like that guy was on like a European adventure, just weird stuff happens to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and how much of that yeah. is just you being open-minded, open, like you just open to new experiences. Yeah, But maybe you're open to the simulation and then the simulation sure. freaking like alters because you're so open-minded. Yeah. You could construct a story though, around the line. Andy's saying like, you know, who is going to be in Hungary? Well, not just a random person, right? It has to be someone who meets all these criteria. And then that's a very narrow set of people. And then among the, that set of people, maybe it's pretty likely that they know Esperanto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like if you go to a hostel, you're going to, you're going to meet a bunch of cool people. Yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I, I like this as the hostel theory of, yeah. uh, the, the hostile argument against a simulation. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Right. Every time I've gone to a hostel, like every time I travel into a hostel, you meet like super interesting people because those people are self-selected to be there, right? Mm-hmm. Because right. they're traveling and they're open-minded and they're like, hey, you know, like right, yeah, they're they're all on like a journey to yeah, self-discovery yeah, right. And, right. Like, and like discovery of the world. And they all speak Esperanto. And they all, <laughs> yes, they all, they all know. Esperanto is the language of travel, you know, invented in 1887 by Polish ophthalmologist L.L. Zamenhof. How does ophthalmology give you the credentials to invent a language? Well, I think you have to go to a lot of uh, hostels, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And oh, oh, Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, Andy, you want to ask another question from the oh, list? Oh, yeah. I, well, I got a bunch of viewer questions. Some of them mm-hmm. we've kind of already touched on a little bit. Uh, but someone, uh, Aline, uh, Aline Jones asks, uh, why is English allowed to be such a messed up language? And I don't know. This, this is this is quite your language. But uh, he's like, she says that other languages have to be more strict in how words are used, but English is kind of more crazy, I guess, and huh. unruly. But uh, but this might not be your 
uh, if this doesn't fall under your expertise. No, I, yeah, I, I would say that um, I, I guess it's all a matter of perspective, I'd say, on that. Yeah. Like, no, no one language is any less crazy or more crazy. I mean, right. you know, English is actually pretty strict about the order that words come in. That's right. like, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's fairly fascist in that aspect, of it, <laughs> you know, but like, and so other languages are totally like, sure, just like slam, you know, put those words wherever it's totally fine. So that's one part. The other right. thing, you know, that like English is this weird mixture, you know, of all these other languages. Um, and I, I say weird, but many languages are, you know, cultures come together and collide. In the case of English, it's like you've got the um, original, you know, the the sort of you got the old English coming in and then there's the French coming and conquering England. And then there's so there's this kind of weird overlay of French and you get a kind of amalgam of that. Yeah. And then we borrowed words from all over right. the globe. Yeah, um, there was a brief, you know, Nordic when the Vikings came in. Right, so right. There's, there's like, yeah, yeah, thrown in. Yeah, the, Stott, the institute is very <laughs> interested in, in looking at that. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy when you look at like, uh, like old English. How long ago was that? That wasn't even that long ago. And it, you can look at that stuff written in old, old English, and it, it totally seems like it's a foreign language. Oh, or, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I mean, how, 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 how many years ago? Is that like 150 years ago? How long ago? <laughs> old English is a little more than 150, okay. yeah. Like, right. like, yeah. like a thousand years ago? A thousand? Okay. All right. That is a little well, more. I mean, how did they abbreviate LOL in Old English? Exactly. <laughs> well, I think they used to laugh out loud. No, 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 no. I think they said... Uh, <laughs> Thou, oh, thou, yeah. or something uh, like yeah, that. Something yeah, something in there. Like, <laughs> by Odin's beard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess, they, yeah, you know, they'd say God's wounds. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, Old English can look really weird, but then, like, you look at Welsh and some words in Welsh, oh, and yeah. you're kind of like, you know, well, given the alternatives, Old English was pretty <laughs> yeah. straightforward. Right. It had some vowels in it, so. It was, yeah, right, right. Right, and, and uh, even, like, even, like, like English, you know, some of the, some books written in English are freaking hard to understand back, like, uh, like 100 and 200 years ago, you know? Yeah. It's a, yeah. You know, or are they just... Verily. Yeah, right? Verily. <laughs> Verily. yeah, exactly. Forsooth. Yeah. Oh, that, Pilgrims, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you want a weird question or want an Andy question? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's all, if you're trying to build your listener base, you know, I don't want to like deflect from that, which I don't no, know. No. Maybe they want weird questions. Okay. Well, let's we're, go weird then. Yeah. We're not, we're not trying to build our listener yeah. base. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is, Remember the pit. Remember the pit. This is completely pointless. Yeah. I, I, no, I mean, we're, no, I, this, no, is, I this is for us. This you is, know, like, like, I think you're giving us great information. I mean, the, yes. All right, all right. They're going to find us. Whoever whoever needs yeah, it's, this it's, podcast. It's, it's, again, find. it's the hostile. It's part of the it's simulation. Yes, yes, it's part of the simulation, yeah. yes. We're, we're going to take this broadcast and what we're going to we're going to take this recording. We're going to transfer it all to PsyQuest discs and yeah. we're going to bury them in the pit. Yeah. That's, that's the ultimate yeah. destination. Okay, right, excellent, right next excellent. to all the Atari ET cartridges. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, so uh, okay. go for it. Whatever, whatever you want to okay, do. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna go weird. I'm gonna go weird on you. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. So let me see. I here's the funny thing about reading my notes is I have to get in the mindset that I was. Back then, and uh, I I can't get there. But anyway, so uh, uh, I if only you were like like had electrodes hooked up to his brain, right? Okay, yeah, okay. totally. Oh my god, that would be awesome. So, um, in the case against reality, written by Donald Hoffman. <laughs> okay, so so basically, he says. I mean, this is me interpreting. This is kind of a he says, she says. This is like, this is this, this is, is sort of, he says. Carl looks at it. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. tells you about yeah. it. 
And then and then kind of tries to interpolate what he yeah, says, exactly. but fails at it. You know, so, so I'm glad nobody's holding me to this. So so he's basically saying that evolution has favored. Uh, so so evolution su- favors survival, right? Right. And then survival uh, does not actually favor seeing reality. Mm-hmm. Your brain actually like 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 if you if you're going to try to survive you want to hunt and you want to do this but you might not see reality as it is so your brain probably blocks out things so it can focus so uh so he's saying that and also rationalize your actions yes so he's saying evolution does not favor seeing reality so my question is what is reality actually like (laughs) well i mean it might also explain things like donald trump yeah yeah go on i mean seriously there were realities i didn't want to see there are plenty i'm seeing every morning every day yeah you know um i i I feel like i'm surprised uh like robert anton wilson hasn't come up (laughs) in this conversation yet yes yes yeah, but it's you know his, uh, reality is what you can get away with uh, is the uh, right. his big tagline I feel like right. or one of them. But nice. Yeah, I think it's I, I I think I really get what he's saying there. Where what you're trying to do, you know, if you think just of what organisms are trying to do, they're trying to like sense the things in the environment that are going to help them survive. You know, that's the main thing and. And, you know, different organisms perceive different parts of the world. We, we know that's true. Like, um, there's, let's say, like, so humans have in their eyes three photoreceptors, right, mm-hmm. that, that pick up color. They've, they have three different types of cones. Bees have five <laughs> that oh, allows them to see different sort of wavelengths of light and... It's not unclear what exactly do bees perceive. It's a very difficult question to answer, but like they're perceiving the world differently because that's relevant for them, right? In in some way, like that's that's helping them uh, get access to the pollen they need, you know, which helps them create more food. That helps them, you know, feed their young, which helps propagate the hive, and and so uh, it's it's. I think I I think there's this thing where. Um, there's some sense in which um, it's it's kind of trivially true that all of us look at the world from a different place, you know? Um, and does that mean that there's not really an objective world out there? That seems a little far for me. It's like realizing that, like, I can't perceive everything that's out there. I can't see x-rays. I can't, you know, perceive infrared. But that's that's different from saying like reality is entirely constructed um oh oh no no that's not mm. what he's saying but you're right in what what you're saying like objective we don't see we have evolved to not see objective reality as it actually is i I mean but to get to the heart of what you're you're talking about uh, these probably have are have a lot more to them than we can see. They probably have like extra limbs and mm-hmm. eyes and stuff that are those two extra cones they have. We can't see them because we only have three cones, right? That's what you're trying to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we just can't see those colors. Like it's hard. We just can't. Yeah. And sometimes we can't even imagine them, right? It's just. Right. And, and I mean, a big thing too is if you think about also beyond just kind of what filters or what mechanisms we're using to see different forms of energy effectively Yeah, um, is the scale at which we see things. And so if you think about science where they're, you know, it's always trying to get the macro astronomical um, scale of physical rules to mesh up with the, the micro level of looking at subatomic physics um, and how that works. And the two just seem to be so far apart, um, that, you know, that that's another way in which maybe it's our perception of reality is, is, is limited. 
Yeah, if that's well, and yeah. I think this, this comes back to that language and thought discussion too. You know, of like, it's really hard. It's incredibly hard for us to contemplate things like deep time. You know, to imagine yeah. that the world has been around for billions of years. Yeah. It's just like we just can't even imagine what that means. And this is. Right. I mean, right now, it's what's destroying the human race, right? Of like, I mean, climate change is all about that, right? It's like, we just can't understand it. It's very hard. I mean, well, I guess it's a question. Is it beyond our ability to comprehend? Or is it just really, really, really hard for us to understand it? This is It's like culture, like if we had a different culture in the world right now, it would be easier to perceive a longer Mm. timescape. Because of the climate in the world, it's like we can't grasp that everything needs to change at least and not enough of us yeah i think i think it's 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 we cannot act as an as like the human race as a unit yeah i think that's the problem everybody maybe everybody wants to like do the right thing but then you're like fuck it you know like like everybody like you know it, it it sucks you know and in in i think it's like like things move at this pace that isn't controlled. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and like, even if you're the CEO of Exxon and you, you come to like this brilliant conclusion that I should get off, we should stop doing oil. You're going to get fired. You know, you're not going to stop like Exxon from freaking drilling oil. You're going to get canned, you know, and they'll bring somebody else in. So it's an entity like this whole the whole human race is going at this pace and it's it's at this it's no longer controlled by individuals, I don't think. Well, you know, I I think you're right to a certain to, to a large extent. The pressure is is society and how it's constructed. But I would also say that. It's also based on um, a lot of it is based. What's going on? I'm getting <laughs> up here. Sorry, sorry. sorry. Okay. Go on, Chris. But a lot of it is also based on like individual reward. So that if you are the CEO of Exxon or of any kind of industry that's that's producing a lot of greenhouse gases, you get an individual immediate reward of profit and money and your lifestyle. And even if you're someone who's just driving your car to work, yeah. you you can get a cheaper car. Gasoline is there. So you get a reward of convenience in your life mm-hmm. at, the, at a small level. Now, if you're doing something <clears throat> in terms of preventing climate change, um, that there is no immediate reward. There's nothing yeah. there for you, you know. So it's like this, like, you know, the kids with the mushrooms, or not mushrooms, marshmallows. <laughs> with kids with mushrooms, Chris. I was thinking about myself in high school. Is that 87 again? I know. I, I feel like this is a no, no, no. marshmallows. Linguist would have a take on your. I think we're getting into Freudian territory yeah. with this more than linguists. Any, okay. Anything? Oh, yeah. well, are, you know, um, this, this is this is an interesting thing. I would say point out like when you try and look for like true Freudian slips, they're actually yeah. pretty uncommon. Actually, there's not good uh, evidence. And because think about this example here, like marshmallows and mushrooms actually share a lot of sounds. They're about the same right. length and. And it turns out, like, when you're thinking about words, you just automatically retrieve things that are similar. That just sort of happens automatically. Right. So this yeah. is, I, I, I wound up commenting on this at some point related to people who would say Osama instead of Obama. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's, there's nothing nefarious there. It's just like, right. they're two similar names. People mix them up. They don't mean to. It's, that's it. Right. There's no right. other story. Right. Like, that's so yeah. right, right. but i think said, i do i do have a history with mushrooms <laughs> yeah I that's think so true too. that's true that's true andy you want to go on in the, on one of the normal questions okay so i have a uh <clears throat> andrew sloan asks uh is there any evidence that there is something besides the physical brain that is involved in or responsible for consciousness mm. or is there something we know about the brain that excludes the possibility that there is some alternate source of consciousness. Yeah. Wow. This is definitely like in the realm of, well, I think part of it is that um, 
consciousness is something that scientists when they tell it when when someone tells you like this part of the brain is involved in consciousness they don't know what the hell they're talking about as right. far as i can tell like it's <laughs> it's just really hard to study and it the types of things we tend to study the methods we have work well for unconscious things like speech errors that's what i was talking about right. like but like consciousness is very hard to study and the i mean people are very interested in it and have done a lot of stuff i think the philosophers, one of the big things they've been hung up on is, um, this is just one of the arguments they've talked about, is the quality of experience. Mm -hmm. So what is it like to perceive red? Mm, like, really. like right. what, what does that right. evoke inside of you? And, and could you imagine, like, say we were talking about like the brain scanning device that uploads you to the cloud. Like imagine that device existed and you went in and looked at the code. Would you understand how I perceived red right. just from looking at the code? And, and a lot of philosophers is like, eh, I don't really think so. I, I don't really, that seems like some other thing. Um, right. And, like I, yeah. I'll go ahead. And then no, no, that's, I mean, it's, it's, that that's basically, where this particular argument ends as far as right. I understand. Huh. I, I, I worked on this freelance job where I was illustrating a children's book mm -hmm. that went along with this curriculum that they're teaching the kids. And it really frustrated me because they had this curriculum that was all about uh, color, certain colors mean certain things like, uh, uh, you know, like blue is sad and red is angry. And, right. and like for me, I'm like, why are you like, and these, these are books that are going to be distributed all over the world. I'm like, colors mean different to, like, every culture, they mean different things. And then for every person individually, they mean different things. Right. And it's, right. It, 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 like, it's just like, why create this structure that you're going to yeah. push on people right. that isn't even universal? And right. even within uh, different situations, a color can yeah. mean a different thing in a different situation. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and how we perceive a given patch, you know, of paint changes depending on what's around it right the the color yeah. yes yes oh god well, that was a huge thing i mean even both simply on a level of physics um mm -hmm. and how your brain per perceives it when i worked at polaroid i was actually part of the visual research lab at polaroid and we were trying to replicate artwork exactly oh, and god. you could just move a copy of a painting from one light source to another and the relationship between the colors within it would just shift dramatically right. just wow. because of the physics of the chemistry mm -hmm. in the Polaroid film and how it re would react with different wavelengths. Mm -hmm. um, and so we had and then how that would be perceived, right? How those. Yeah. And that was a whole other up. level on that. And like Goethe had some really crazy ideas mm -hmm. on that. Um, and there were people who were, you know, I mean, scientists who were, you know, would say, Goethe's on to something. There's stuff we don't really get. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think those are the types of, the, no one's ever really been able to come up with, um, I feel like good explanations of like why we're conscious. Like a lot of the things we talk about, it's like, couldn't we just have a totally unconscious thing that that did exactly right. exactly the same way, and um, and understanding those qualities. And so, I think right now it's kind of stuck in this place where people are like, "Well, I don't believe in anything that's outside of the physical world. Therefore, the consciousness must arise from the rain." But like that's you know kind of a postulating the consequent, I can't remember if they're right, like assuming the consequent, like you're just stating what you believe and then it turns out, and therefore I believe what I believe. So there's not any real right, scientific right. evidence that shows that consciousness is only the brain. Mm. So it's I like, mean, oh, go on. I was just gonna say, there's no evidence to the other direction either. <laughs> right. Right, so, and, and you get into really, I mean, it's like, you know, sort of a metaphysical Heisenberg principle in a way that you know kind of like when you're looking at it how 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 well this gets into psychedelics too really um <laughs> when you're looking at yourself looking at yourself looking mm -hmm. at yourself 
you know, how exactly do you know when you're getting to the truth, quote unquote, right. you know, right. um, how do you know, you know, and I think there are even things, you know, in terms of, well, I guess this is getting to the level of kind of like controlled processes, you know, that if you, if you view it in kind of a 20th century context where you think like, there are things that your brain does that are just automatic, that, you know, breathing and, you know, even walking is something that, you know, you just mm -hmm. do. Balance. Balance, yeah, right. It's totally automatic, yeah. Right. But then there are the things yeah. that are controlled that you're taking action of, and then consciousness is what is controlling that? But You know what I mean? I'm saying that as a question, really. So, like, what? How do you define consciousness? Well, it, oh, go on. Let me let me give you a, a kind of cool um, neuro neurological story that's related to that. So we were mentioning cutting Carl's brain in half at one point, um, right? But, but you know, some people that's like for epilepsy, they actually do that for. for and what um, they've found in some of those individuals, so if you your different uh, the different hemispheres of your brain actually sort of preferentially receive different parts of the visual world. So you can draw like wherever you're focusing, you can draw a line down the middle and everything on the left is going to the right side of your brain first and everything on the right is going to the left side of your brain first. That's just how the connections between the retina and the, the early visual parts of the brain are set up. Right. So there's this kind of, and so if you cut the connection between the hemispheres, Hey, you can do all sorts of fun little tricks with people, right? Where you like present things only to one hemisphere. Um, and it should be clear, these people, there are ways the hemispheres communicate through other than the part that's been cut, but it takes a lot of time. What they found for, so it's something where they can eventually perceive it, but it takes a long period of time. What they've found is that you can do things where you send information to the right hemisphere of the brain, which typically in these individuals can't verbalize what it saw over there, but you can show things in to the right hemisphere of the brain and people will act upon that. Like pick which one you would like to do or you know, go up or down and people will move their hand in response to that stimulus. And then afterwards you ask them well, like why did you do that and they'll make up a story as to why they did that oh yeah confabulation right yes so they yeah. sort of confabulate yeah. what's going on yeah. so yeah. that's this other thing of, of we imagine we're in control of all sorts of things we right. imagine we're controlling things but you know part of it is just like we're we're Saying like, yeah, yeah, I totally wanted that to happen. Well, that, that's that's the <laughs> right. that's the argument against free will, right there. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. The, that. That's the argument against free will. It's saying like, 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 you might be doing something, and then your brain, like, like because you, mm -hmm. if if something is heading towards your eye, you blink. Right. And you don't even know uh, that you blinked until after you blinked. Because right. You, Exactly. Yes. Yes. That's a great example. Yeah. That's even better than I was talking about. Yes. So, so you can make up any, a reason afterwards, you know, right. like in your brain, right. like, you know, like, the, so, so that's the argument against free will. We just make like, is our nerves just reacting to shit and, and then we're making up reasons afterwards. You yeah. Know, like, then we're telling ourselves yeah. a story. Yeah. Then it's like consciousness is the storyteller or something. It's like, the right. thing gives narrative right. to your otherwise kind of reactive life, you know. The, the, totally, yeah. totally, man. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, that that's awesome. Uh, I, love, <laughs> I love this kid. Uh, you want me to want me to find another weird question, yeah, Andy? Another weird question. Uh, you want a weird question? You want wait? Well, where's our I cousin? Do you want a weird question or do you want the truth? <laughs> or do you want to, yeah? Or do you want to hear a story about Franklin in 1983? <laughs> wow. Wait, wait. Uh, yes. <laughs> Franklin in 1983. Yeah. <laughs> but, but actually, I want to. I want to know. You know, I feel like Andy. You know, is is he's been patient. 
Oh yeah. Well, let me, let I have, we have Carl's questions and then we have listener questions. Oh, Again, okay. Do you have a question of your own? Um, I mean, I've been asking my own questions as okay. we go along. Okay. But, uh, as for us. as, as yeah. long as Andy's been yeah. happy, no, I've I been, I, yeah, I've been enjoying myself. Uh, yeah, I can ask good, another yeah. listener question though. Uh, <laughs> oh. you know, a lot of uh, some of these questions, I don't feel like are quite things that you could answer. Just but, do them. Uh, so this this one, uh, uh, Richard White asks: uh, Is a person's political leaning left or right due to genetics or upbringing? Yeah. Can you answer this definitively so we can just solve this? And right, yeah. right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, there's been a lot of research that's tried to look at um, how um, political leanings are related to more basic psychological things, like, mm. um, like safety. One, yeah, safety or or kind of like disgust at bodily functions. There's mm. been like things oh. where people are just like bothered by the ickiness of bodily functions and that means they're conservative. Yeah. Yeah. That's been, and a lot of that stuff is hard to replicate. Like it's not a, yeah. a stable result. And this, this isn't the 24th century. So it we, don't, we don't have replicators. Well, <laughs> Andy, Andy can definitely replicate bodily functions. That's true. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like I'm, I'm really liberal, but I'm also uh, disgusted with myself. Uh, <laughs> okay, good, good, good. That's... That's good to know. That's good that's to know. Your Roman, yeah. That's a Roman Catholic. <laughs> right, exactly. Yes, yes. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the internal, internal conflict. Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. But, I mean, I think, yeah, uh, you know, I think fascists are made, not born. That's what oh, I would yeah. say. So, yeah. Well, all right, we'll, we'll go with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I buy that. Fascists <laughs> are made, not born. And they're douchebags. Yeah, well, let's see. <laughs> Although, man, if you've interacted, if you interacted with toddlers recently, they are total douchebags. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've interacted. Fucking with dicks. Like, yeah, they're, yeah, it's ridiculous, you know? Uh, I think we're, we're almost, I mean, I have questions, but we're almost coming to the end. Anyway, it's yeah. been a, a while. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a two-parter. Definitely. No, I've already assumed it's going to be a two-parter. It's like two hours. All right, we'll go We'll go one more question. Unless you, uh, Chris, do you have any questions, actually? I haven't even asked you to have, have a question. No, have, I've thrown some stuff out there. I yeah, know. no, I know. You've been, you've been like, contributing a lot. Uh, but I'm, done, I'm just saying, like, I, I've been asking the questions. Everybody's been contributing, so whatever. Uh, I got another one. But I, this is probably uh, not. Nobody can answer this. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, I have a bunch of them. Just, just looking at like I have so many stupid questions. Does free will <laughs> exist? Oh, wait, yes. Here, here's, okay. <laughs> yes, Our, Rush, Rush addressed that one as well. Mm, they did. They did. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 oh. So con this is what I was gonna say. Consciousness is an emergent phenomenon. Mm. Like, like, um, is it? No, I don't know if it's emergent. Like, uh, wetness is an emergent phenomenon of water water molecules. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like, it, it, are they ever gonna find the? Uh, this isn't a. I'm just thinking about this now. This isn't mm -hmm. one of my questions, but like, is that the reason why scientists are never gonna? figure out consciousness because it's an emergent phenomenon you know what i mean well, i mean i guess i would be more hopeful about that that we could do more to study and 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 there's been a lot of advances i'd say over the past couple of decades in understanding emergent phenomena of various types and um i mean it, it's it's just a different type of explanation you know like I think often we want to understand things like they're always going to produce the same result every time. Emergent things are very sensitive to the initial conditions under which they arise. Like there's something that that requires an understanding of how things change over time and how different things interact. And so it's a it's a different type of explanation, but it's something we have to, I think, grapple with, you know, because 
we see emergent phenomena just in our daily lives all the time, you know, like when there's delays at airports, that's an emergent phenomena. You know, it's not like someone said, <laughs> I'm going to, today, you know, O'Hare is going to have trouble landing planes. That's like one thing happens at this airport and other things happen at this airport. There's the storm system that comes in and all those things all of a sudden create a three hour delay, you know, or, Right, or traffic patterns or whatever. Yeah, traffic patterns or something. And that's something where, like in traffic patterns, it's turned out that theories of uh, turbulent flow of liquids have actually been really good at modeling traffic patterns in many ways. So I got some turbulent liquid in this glass that I'm drinking. <laughs> I thought there was going to be a bodily function reference yeah, there. Right. But I no, 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 no. <laughs> that comes later. The other direction. I got to take a turbulent liquid. Yeah, emergent phenomena are, I mean, the, the, the challenge with that is, like, I think right now we often use emergence as just, like, like basically it's like all the stuff in star trek you know where it's like um <laughs> what is the thing that's always like subspace you know yeah. subspace always has like another thing there's like subspace layers there's subspace this there's subspace that it's just like something you get to throw in and a lot of times i think people will come up with theories of behavior where they'll just be like well that's an emergent phenomena but Emergence doesn't mean anything. It's just like right, right, right. right. <laughs> but but I mean, really, I mean, like, is anybody gonna like like you keep dissecting something until there's nothing left? You know what I mean? Like like this like where are you gonna find consciousness? You know what mm -hmm. I mean? You, keep, you figure everything part of the brain out. Do you know con what consciousness right. is? Well, I, I think that part of it is, yeah, this, this kind of idea that the way we solve problems is by strict reductionism, where you just like take a complex thing, break it down into its parts, and then you just kind of like add those together, and that's the thing. But, yeah. But that's not how real phenomena work, I think, right? There's right. these the interaction of many different things leads to new, that's the idea of emergence, right? But I think that's, right. but I think that's also just sort of true. We see, um, I'm trying to think of like a good example of like, um, I mean, even concepts like pressure, you know, when we measure right. the pressure of something that's emergent from the behavior of all the tiny molecules inside of that, you know, it's not a property of any one molecule. It's a property of the entire system. And so I think, I think a lot of phenomena in the brain are, le are that's, that's basically how they happen. That has to be, you know, that's right. The, yeah. The brain is this immensely interconnected network and that's how it gets its super duper processing power is by being densely interconnected, makes it something that will give rise to emergent phenomena in general. Right. The sum of the parts is more than the whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and basically, the, the answer is always is we need more money to figure yeah. this out. So, <laughs> so uh, where can they send that money? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm can... interested in your ideas, yeah. and I would like to subscribe to your news. Yes. Where, where, can the, where can the 101 people who listen to this podcast send their money? Yeah. Well, they can... They can send it send it to the Stadt Institute for the Study of Cognition. Uh, it's it's in Luxembourg, so if you have any ill gotten money, you can you know. It, uh, Bitcoin. You have any Bitcoin? Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> we only use Ethereum. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> you got well, well. Uh, okay, we're almost done, and yes. I have one more. question. Question. <laughs> stupid. All right, everybody can answer this. This is total like uh, theoretical. Can uh, if I cling on within the body <laughs> of the okay. Can larger? Okay. Can a larger conscious entity be comprised of smaller conscious entities? <laughs> mm. oh, uh, I, I mean, I was thinking about stuff with like the zeitgeist and yeah, yeah, yeah. collective unconscious. Yeah. 
kind of. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, 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 totally. What do you think, guys? And then you get into the Borg, too. Right. I mean, we know that from the Borg. I'm talking about... I was also thinking about, you know when Isaac Asimov resurrected Foundation? Yeah, the Foundation. his career? And, like, Foundation and Earth, I think, was, or what, I don't know, like, Foundation 5 or something involved, like, creating a galactic super consciousness. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, so, and Isaac Asimov never lied to us. We know this. Well, so, he's right. a genius. He's but, a genius. Yeah. <laughs> here's the thing: is 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 um, if you have a galactic entity, its neurons are going to be so far apart that it's going to take like a million years for it to think one thought. I mean, it's going to use subspace, man. That's not a problem in subspace. Okay, okay, okay. Right, right. I'm wrong. <laughs> All right, guys. I think this is it. Uh, we we got we pro. I don't know. I think we're working on a couple hours, so we're going to split this. And uh, thank you. Wait, <laughs> yeah, I gotta, Thank you, Matisse. Whatever the hell your name is. Yeah, All right. Matus von Schmendick, Matthias von Schmendick of the International Institute of Stad. Yeah, thank you very much for all the time you spent and, and answering I mean, our this, questions. This is, I mean, we didn't. I we didn't get to everyone's questions. You submitted them, but well, you know, we we we've done. Two hours of talking. I know. I mean, we could do another one, but yeah, forget it. Yeah. All right, you guys stay on the line. I'll just say goodbye to you. But uh, to everybody else, peace out and toast to uh, who were we drinking to earlier? Uh, I forget. Ah, fuck. The pit. Oh, Neil Peart. No, Neil Peart. Neil Peart. Neil Peart. And we're drinking to the pit, too. The pit is even probably better. Yeah. Salud. No. (laughs) Proust. (laughs) <laughs> Priest. Priest. Priest.